Welcome to It's Ms. Max Health and Culture. Health is a way of living and the mindset. Culture is a way of being and honoring who we are as a people. Fuse it together for a way of vibing. Take this journey with me. I'll see you inside. Welcome to On the Wake Up Radio. My name is Maxine from Is Mix Max Health and Culture. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And we'd like to give a special thanks to super producer Cindy Ashby for making this all happen. Thank you all for being here today. Know that you can catch us on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, but we prefer you come sign up with otw2.com and listen to our live radio at onthewakeupradio.com. And with no further ado, I would like to introduce my special guest today, Life Coach, Life Coach Keisha Veal. Thank you so much, sis, for joining us today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, Miss Max. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you all so much for this opportunity. We are definitely no stranger to one another, so it is always a pleasure to speak with you and to be involved in all of the awesome and amazing, wonderful, magnificent things you have going on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely, sis. It's just wonderful watching you you know, you've come such a long way in your journey and becoming wife coach Keisha Veal. If you're not, let me explain a little bit about Keisha. Keisha is a wife coach. And what that means is that she talks to brides and brides-to-be who are looking to enter a marriage or are in a relationship. So if you have any questions about your relationship, Keisha is the sister to go to because she keeps it 100 with you. And she comes from a spiritual realm while she's explaining to you. And what I love about her, she let you know that you can be spiritual and you can still live your life. And today, what we're going to be talking about is Keisha's book that she wrote. Um, It is called Ashes Before the Beauty. I have it here, Ashes Before the Beauty. And I was so excited to hear that you wrote this book and you took this leap of faith. And you came out and you said, you know what, I want to do this. And that's what I just want to first jump into. You know, what made you decide now that, okay, I want to write a book about going through my journey and dealing with domestic violence? So actually, it had been something that I had been um, contemplating for a while. The incident took place uh, a little over three, uh, 10 years ago. And I've always said I had a story. I, I've always said that I wanted, wanted to write a book. I did not know what the book would be about, but I, that I've always had that desire. And um, as you mentioned, I am very, very spiritual. And I believe that when God gives you something on the inside, that that's the desire. He gave that to you. So that's what you're supposed to be doing because he also says he grants the desires of our hearts. And so I've always desired to write a book and it just so happened that right at the time when I just decided I'm going to do this, you know, um, I've waited long enough. I got confirmation. My husband and I, we got confirmation from a Bishop, uh, on a zoom call. 
that we 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 uh, took part in, and um, he told us over the Zoom that he wanted to talk to us personally, and so we called him on that Tuesday, and the first thing after he prayed and he got himself situated, first thing he said was, "When the book come out," and it was just confirmation because while we were on the Zoom that Sunday, like this was our first time meeting him. I had not mentioned to anybody about the book. I had just reached out to my publishers that week before and told her, I'm done playing games. I'm ready. Let's go forward. And she said she was going to overnight me, you know, the information to get started. I received it on that Thursday. That Sunday at the Zoom call with the bishop and that Tuesday he said, Hey, when is the book coming out? And I just knew it was confirmation. I knew it was confirmation. I knew it was time God had put this in me, you know, and it was just stop waiting, right? Somebody's waiting on you. And, I, and I've always said this and I, I preach this. This is one of my favorite lines. You know, somebody is waiting on you. The things that you go through are not for you. It's for someone else. And so someone was waiting for me and I just finally decided to show up. And with the confirmation, I knew I was on track with it. Yes, absolutely. And it's a, it's very bold because as black women, we are known for hiding who we truly are, meaning that we show one face to the world, but secretly we often suffer behind the scenes and people may not know that no matter how much you smile, no matter how beautiful you look, um, we go through some things. And one of the things that I would like to think is because of embarrassment, being judged, people coming into our lives and making um, a certain decision. And before we even go further, I wanted to bring up some stats about dealing with domestic violence. And it's really heartbreaking when I see the numbers. And so as I'm looking at the numbers, let me see if it's going to bring up, I don't know if it's going to let me share my screen. Hold on one second here while I get that. And also your callers, just to let you know, you can give us a call at 844-818-4433. If you would like to call in and have this discussion today, we are talking about Ashes Before Beauty with wife coach Keisha Veal. And so what I'm going to do is just show you, you may not be able to see my screen, but it's showing the statistics here. One moment, I'm just going to read some numbers off. So it says 40% of black women will experience domestic violence in their life. 54% of, of black women experience psychological abuse. 41% of women experience psycho, that's psychological abuse, and 41% experience physical abuse. A staggering rate of 92% of women knew the person who killed them, and 56% committed, um, was committed by a current or former partner. And then another staggering number is 92% of the killings were intraracial, meaning that they were committed by a black man against a black woman. A black woman are 2.5 times more likely to be murdered by the men, by men than white women. And it takes actually a woman seven times to finally leave her abuser. 
Mm-hmm. So with those staggering statistics, sister, I have to say that I commend you after reading the book and going through your journey. Help us to understand what it is to go through domestic violence because people believe, and, and I've read even in the book, they say, well, if you were going through this abuse, why didn't you leave? But help them understand that the aggressor doesn't start out that way. Exactly. Exactly. So in my book, I and I break down all of that. I talk about how, you know, the first incident and how, you, you know, you get the apology and, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that again. Um, you give the person the benefit of the doubt. You know, you want to believe that it was truly an accident. You want to believe that it'll never happen again. You want to believe, you know, the, the, the best in the person. But a lot of times we, like you say, it does not start out that way. Um, one of the things that we as women do when we're in domestic situations, we start to kind of blame ourselves or start to question and ask, you know, was it something we did or something that we didn't do? Um, I talk about how, you know, at one point I started to feel like I be- I deserved it, right? You know, um, a lot of times we, uh, well, I-, I-, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Oh, I made him mad, right? We-, we beat ourselves up and we blame ourselves for it. And then I often get asked, why did you stay? You know, people stay in situations for different reasons. Um, I'm very transparent. I stay because, one, I thought it was going to get better, right? And then I stay, too, because I had a child. You know, my child was not by him, but my child was without a father figure. And as a single mother looking for that father figure for her child, that's what he was at the time. And so I stayed so that my son could have a father figure in his life. And if that meant, in, you know, enduring, you know, you know, the things that I, I went through, uh, my son meant more to me than in myself. And when we do that as mothers, as women, we, uh, we put our children first and then we put, then we put our spouses first. We put everybody before us and I'm guilty of doing that. I, my son's happiness and what he needed was more important than what I felt, what I was going through, what I needed and all of that. But I will say this, um, Going through it, you know, it is very embarrassing. It is very embarrassing. Um, you you don't want people to judge you. You don't want people to know what's going on. We we grew up, you know, where uh, you keep your business in your home. You don't tell people what's going on behind closed doors, right? That's that's something that we we've been taught, you know years from our big mamas and grandmamas and them, you know, they, they teach us, you know, don't you tell nobody what's going on in my house. That right there is what's crippling a lot of women because that's the mindset that we have been taught. And so that's the, that's the mindset in which we operate from. 
we're going through these things. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to be judged. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want the next woman to know that we're going through this. We want to put on that facade. Like you said, like everything is good. Like we got it all together and, and, and we're only fooling ourselves, right? Because she's going through, may not be what you're going through, but we're all going through something and it happens every day all day. I'm not the only one. I'm not the first one. I'm not going to be the last one. But what I was hoping in writing this book is that I would encourage, you know, someone who is in this situation, right? If you're currently in a domestic situation, I'm hoping that this will inspire and encourage her to say something. That's the first thing. Say something, right? I'm here. This is another reason why I went into coaching so that I can coach women out of these type of situations. A lot of times we stay in the situation because we have nowhere to go. We have nowhere to go. We have no one else to turn to. You know, um, some women are stuck in situations because financially they can't get away. You know, well, if I leave him, I don't have money to take care of me and my children. So they stay. So people stay in these situations for numerous reasons. Mine was just simply because my son, he needed a father figure. And this is what that, that, that he, this is what he was at that time. And up until my stabbing incident, I probably still would have, you know, maybe even tried to work it out. But I, I, the stabbing situation itself was what made me realize that this man needs help. There is nothing else you can say, you can do. He needs help. There's no more. I'm sorry. There's no more. You know, I'm not going to do it again. No, you're not. Right. Because this could have killed me. And I, my, my hope and goal in this book and writing this book is for somebody to get out of the situation before it's too late. Before it's too late. But you never go into the situation thinking it's going to happen to you. You never go into the situation expecting for your spouse to be uh, domestically violent towards you. You never, I never in a million years would have thought that I would be a victim, a survivor of domestic violence. Not ever did I think that. As I'm right, I'm sure many of us doesn't. Let me ask you another question, Keisha. Growing up, I know you have both your parents, your mother and your father. Did you ever witness domestic violence or violence between your parents growing up? I never, ever. As a matter of fact, I never saw my parents argue. I never saw them fuss and fight. I would ask, like, y'all don't fight? You know, I'm finding out in my adult years that, honey, it was some stuff going on between me and your daddy, you know, you, you didn't see. So they kept me, you know, they kept me from those things. If it was, if it was taking place, they kept me from it. I never experienced it. I never witnessed it. So of course, in my relationship, when I saw it, it, it was definitely foreign to me. Definitely. You know, what is this? Right. Because this is not what I, I'm used to. I never saw it growing up. Um, but it is very real. It is very real. And because I didn't see it in my parents, you know, my partner. Right. He maybe that's how his father 
dealt with his mom, you know, and, 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 or maybe that's what he grew up, you know, thinking that that's how you love and treat women. And so we get with these people, you know, with different backgrounds and different upbringings and different mindsets. And maybe to him, that's, that's how you show a woman love, right? But no, I never witnessed it with my parents, not once, not, not one time. And that's interesting because that's what I want people to understand because you don't have to be in an abusive coming up as a child to witness it, but to go through it. And like I said, when you were going through the abuse, it didn't start off that way. He was loving. He was attentive to you, right? He was a kind man. He was loving to your son. But there were some psychological things, I guess, he was dealing with in, in the background, right? There were some things that he were going through, some some triggers. And not only that, Keisha, you're a very attractive woman. You know, I think a lot of times with men, if they're not in a secure place in their life, that yeah. can be an intimidation or a trigger factor. Oh, she's going to leave me for someone else. And, and knowing that, can I meet that standard? And that can possibly cause the trigger. You know, because I myself know what it is like to be in that type of relationship when you're dealing on the psychological level, even. And you yeah, see the, abuse, the stats that I gave, the psychological abuse is higher than the physical abuse. Yeah, absolutely right. You're, and as a matter of fact, um, and, and not to, to tell too much about the book because I want to. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, d- I do mention that in the book that um, right uh, the, the, the whole staffing situation, that was one of the questions that he asked me, you know, so you you're going to leave me. So you think you're going to leave me to be with somebody else? You know, so the psychological part in, in the whole situation is definitely you hit it. You hit it head on. Um, there were definitely triggers that I didn't see. In the beginning, um, there were also insecurities that <clears throat> I, I knew were there. But like you said, I'm the, the type of woman that I am. I, I kind of understood the insecurities because, you know, um, there are other men that would approach me. And, you know, and, and I did come from. Uh, uh, money and you know background my background my parents uh, both parents uh, money like we were just too different you know um and so for him it was like well I gotta meet those standards or I gotta you know try to be something that I'm not you know and people would say often like this was just not a match you know, I would get questioned all of the time, like, what was the attraction here? Like, how did you end up like she's just totally out your league, right? This is what people would say. And it was true, but I wasn't looking at it from my perspective and what I needed and what I wanted. I'm thinking this is a father figure for my son. They get along. They love each other. Uh, you know, he's taking care of my son. He's doing things. It was all my son, my son, my son, my son. And so, and, and I'm, I said that to say, as far as the psychological piece, um, I did find out later that, he felt that, you know, he could not live up to my expectations. And he felt that he was not good enough for me. 
He felt that he was not good enough for me. He felt that he didn't make enough money for me. Like he was working, he was working two jobs, right? He did work. Uh, he felt like I could do better and that I was seeking better. And I really wasn't, you know, I, at, at that time, I was not seeking better. I was just seeking a father figure for my son. That's it. And you were that. But we were so unequally yoked on so many different areas, um, religious, you know, we were two different religions, um, financial mindset. We were two different. We came from two different financial backgrounds. Um, I mentioned that in the book, how, you know, I believe in paying my bills and that's the type of upbringing I had. My father would sit at the table on the Saturday. He would write out all of the bills for the month and he would pay them. And so, and that's how I grew up, but he was the type to, you know, we're going to put something on it. And so we were just unequally yoked, but none of that mattered to me because he was doing what I needed him to do for my son. But then the triggers, like you said, the triggers, you know, uh, when bills started getting overwhelming, um, when I started bringing money in from other resources, he started to think that, you know, I was cheating. He started to think that I was getting the money from other other men. You know, just the book really breaks down, like you said, the psychological piece of it. Um, definitely some 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 mental issues going on that I did not see. You don't. People don't show you that when you first meet them. Like, hi, I'm Keisha. I'm depressed. You, you don't. That's not how it worked. You know, you meet the, the, the representative. You They put their best foot forward, like you said. And he was catering. He was loving. He was fun. And everything I, man, everything I wanted, right? But those mm -hmm. triggers, those triggers when, you know, bills and uh, money and things that I needed, grown man stuff he was like wait a minute <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> yeah that was huge <laughs> so and so it triggered some things that were already kind of laying dormant in him already and it just brought out the worst of him and and i and i state this all the time i don't hate him i do not hate him um i understand that it's more mental and I just hope and pray that you he gets his mental right. That's that's it. Yeah, absolutely. I hope he gets his mental right as well because we may not be able to speak with you. We couldn't have spoke with you today if that incident would have turned, you know, fatal. And I'm sure on that day when you wake up and you brush your teeth and you go about your day, you're not expecting, you know, to be stabbed by your husband, but you, but you see what it was boiling up on his end, breaking on yours, but your tenacity to get past that. Now, my next question for you is how getting, I'm not going to say getting past, because I'll say working through mm -hmm. that, because that's definitely a trauma. Mm -hmm. Working through, how long did that process take you? to rebuild your 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 image because I could imagine it, it would have felt like you like a balloon just deflated and just pulled you and now you can really see everything for what it is. 
mm-hmm. and re- and rebuilding yourself, rebuilding who you are, who Keisha v- Veal is today. What was that journey like for you? Tough. If I could, if I could sum it all up in one word, um, tough because, like you said, you don't get past it. Um, even now, I'm I'm kind of I'm getting emotional because you 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 just don't you don't get past it, right? You you just every day you make the choice to not let it define you. You know, every day it, you just make the the choice to not let it, you know, deter you and distract you from your purpose or your greater good, your greater cause. You, it's a choice. You have to make the choice each and every day. And honestly, um, once I hit the submit button to submit the book, it was at that moment, right? The book dropped. Uh, a little over a month ago. So this happened 10 years ago, but the book dropped a little over a month ago. And guess what? It was at that moment that I hit submit that that blew the balloon that you speak of. It was at that moment that it, it, it just like it lifted. Right. And I have been hiding, you know, I've been hiding who Keisha really is because of the, the 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 trauma right the the trauma of uh, just so take your time take your time i've been hiding because of fear yes i've been not sure of who I am for years because of this situation. I went from feeling like I deserved it. It was my fault. I got blamed for it a lot. I got judged for it a lot. So I went into this hiding, right? This, this, this shell. Didn't talk about it. I hit my my wounds. Like you just don't know. You the journey has been tough. But I will say this: prayer is the one thing outside of my husband now that got me through. The moments when I was upset and I wanted to 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 get revenge, right? Um, the moments when I I wanted to call and cut him out. It was really just God. My husband now has been very intricate in my journey. He has rubbed my back every night. I have three stab wounds in my back. And my husband has rubbed them every night. They still hurt to this day. They still hurt. I, for the longest, could not wear certain clothes, uh, shirts and tops and things that would show my back because of embarrassment of these these stab wounds, right? The embarrassment. It takes time to heal physically, first of all. But then now I got to heal mentally. 
to keep replaying this day. And then it happened on my birthday. So every year for my birthday, people ask, why do you celebrate? Why do you go all out? Why you do so much? Because I could have died on this very day. My obituary could have read born July night, died July night. Right? The journey has definitely been tough. But prayer and, and, and definitely forgiveness. If it had not been for forgiveness, I would have been in my bitterness. I, have, I would have missed out on my blessings. I would not be where I am today. God would not be showing up in my life the way that he is right now. And I would have missed out on the best thing that, that one of the best things that has happened to me, which is my husband. Now I would have missed out on all of that, but I I had to, it's, it's a mind thing. You have to make the choice. You have to decide. I'm not going to let this hinder me. I'm not going to let this define me. I'm not going to let this make me bitter. I'm not going to let this ruin the rest of my life that God spared. It's a a choice. And and guess what? Some days are harder than others. But if you have a support system, you have a relationship with God, you can get through it. You can. I'm, I'm a living, walking witness that with a strong determination, with a changed mindset, with a, a awesome support system, you definitely need a support system and counseling. I did, and I don't. I don't want to, you know, skip over that part. I definitely had to go talk to somebody and see somebody about this. But with those things, you can you can definitely get through it, and you do not get past it. Don't don't get it twisted. It does not go away. Um, like you said, how do you get through it? It's a day-to-day process, and it's you've got to just make up in your mind that I'm going to choose to not let this ruin my life. Absolutely, um, Keisha. And you talked about one thing about forgiveness, and I just wanted to read one excerpt from your book that stood out to me, if that's okay. You said that I understand the meaning of forgiveness and how it was more for me than it was for the person's name. I understand what it meant to extend grace, and I understand there was a purpose behind the incident. So you talked about having your purpose. And in that purpose, that helped you to move forward in your life. The fact that what I love the fact is that you still were able to trust again and love again. Many sisters are not able to do that, but you did your work. And I can imagine some days are not going to be easy. It's not going to be because I can imagine it's the trauma, the PTSD. Is this person going to flip on me as well? I mean, I'm sure all those things may be going through your mind. Exactly. You know, okay. the- was you know he stayed the course and loved you because of who you are your spirit is so genuine thank you your spirit is so genuine and so i am not surprised that you were able to to find your equally yoked husband and find your spiritual partner in life 
to help you through this journey. It takes even a strong man to take that on. Yes, ma'am. I, 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 I salute him. I tap my hat off to him, and, and, and he wears the crown because we need more of that. We need more of our brothers to love on us. We're, we're in this battle constantly with the black man. Yep. And yep. that hurts my heart to the core. Um, it really does hurt my heart to the core that we're that way. But you give us, you know, you give women hope that in spite of the things that you go through, in spite of the violence, in spite of the mental abuse, that you are working through it. And that we can all learn from it because, like, again, we hide behind ourselves. Oh, we, you know, we're not going through anything and we're suffering. And then you, you, I've read in Los Angeles, there was two sisters that had, that had died due to domestic violence within a month of each other. Mm -mm. And nobody would have ever known. So I know and live very close to where I live. Mm. So I see firsthand that our sisters are not making it out. And these women were beautiful spirits. They were loved by their community. Yes. So we have to make sure that we're being supportive of our sisters. We have a tendency to brush over. And this is the other thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, Keisha, because I know when you were going through this, you know, you have support from friends, but even then, I'm glad, and I'm glad you had that to a point, but even then they can only take you so far, right? When you're going through that, when you're going through that situation. Because like you said, um, your, your son, but then let's back, let's back up a little bit about the economics of it. People think that it's just about, well, why don't you leave him? Well, no, it's more than that. It's about the money as well. Where, like you said, where will I go? You had no, you didn't have a place that you can go for you exactly. and I at that time. So now you're kind of in a rut mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a period of time. Yeah, yeah, it happens. And so, far as far as friends, uh, you know, friends. You 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 tend to find out who your real friends are when you're. Uh, when you're down, right? And I and and that's sad to say, but it takes a, a down situation or something, you know, something like that for you to really see who's there for you. And it was it was really kind of you know uh, saddened saddened to me sad that that in in that time, you know. Everybody was for the marriage and oh yeah, this, this, and everybody was happy and all my girls was over and yeah, she about to get married. We were celebrating it, but as soon as I said this is what's happening, it was like, Well, girl, you know, it, it happens and you know, that's just you being picky and that's just you, you know, wanting this and that's just you because you spoiled and you used to men taking care of you. Right. I got that instead of girl, you need help and you know, I'm sorry that this is happening. So so when the situation happened, they were like, Oh my God, like you was for real. Yes. 
Yes, I was for real. And you guys were not there because you thought that I was uh, over exaggerating or you thought that, you know, I was being, you know, spoiled Keisha that just wanted things her way or just, you know, because he wasn't he was not the, the, the man that, that I would have chose for myself. We, we knew that. Right. But at the end of the day, when I told you this is what was happening, they were like, yeah, well, you know, girl, it's going to be OK. Like, I was just like, really? What, where am I? If my friends and then after the incident, you know, you get the phone calls and the text messages and I'm here if you need me and I, all of that. But shortly after that and even now, there are people that were around in that era that I don't even talk to now. And, you know, I don't get the, hey, are you okay? And, you know, how's things going? And how's this? And how is that? I don't get that. I got it for the first four to six months after the incident. And after that, it was like it ha- it didn't happen. People went on with their lives and it didn't happen. But my son, right, he has to hear the hollering and me screaming and crying and yelling his name from the incident. I, like you say, PTS, I have to deal with this still to this day. You guys, they weren't there. They're not here. So when it comes to, you know, friends, you know, when you're in those type of situations and people don't believe you or, you know, they, they kind of shunning you off or sweeping it under the rug, find somebody else to talk to, find somebody else to talk to somebody else that's going to listen and take you serious and and coach you and guide you and provide you that, 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 that way of escape. Right. I'm looking for my friends to say, well, girl, come stay with me. Right. You can, we got to get you, we got to get you out of there. Come stay. We need that. And so I, I want to encourage, like you said, we sisters got to speak together. Your girlfriend call you and say, you know, X, Y, and Z happened. Stop shunning it and laughing, girl, because you know he drinks. And girl, he was just drunk that he'd be all right. No, listen and pay attention because that could be her way of asking you for help. Now, I may not have been uh, as, as, as blunt as I could have been. Hey, I, this is what's happening. I need help, right? I, I will take accountability for that. I also took accountability for marrying him, knowing that, that I did not love him, that I was not in love with him. I do take accountability. I mentioned all of that in the book, right? And this is why when the situation happened, when you talk about purpose, I want to kind of touch on that a little bit. When you said that, you know, you read that part, the purpose, the purpose, the reason I said purpose is because when I went through the examination of the stab wounds, everything was in threes. And, um, so it's the three stab wounds. They're in three different locations and each one was three centimeters from causing some type of damage and so i looked at it as a as a as a in the spirit you, you as you stated earlier i'm very spiritual I, I make a spiritual situation out of everything and so i looked at it spiritually you know one for the father one for the son one for the holy ghost 
This one, if it had been three centimeters here, I could have been paralyzed. Okay, thank you, God. This one, if it had been three centimeters deeper, I could have been, you know, I could have torn the ligament in my uh, shoulder. I looked at that spiritually. And so after the incident and I, I, I started going into church and having these prophetic words and all of this that was spoken over my life, I knew that it was a purpose in me going through that and still being here to talk about it. When I started coaching, I didn't know that that situation, I went through that for this, what I'm doing today. But it all tied in together. It all made sense. And once it was clear, that's why I put that part in the book. It was for a purpose. I didn't know that at first. Nobody knew that, and I did not like the experience, but God's going to get the glory. How he get it, he's going to get the glory, and he's going to use us for his purpose, and that's how he had to use me. And so when you start to look at things from a spiritual uh, perspective and a the spiritual aspect, there's no room for hate. There's no room for uh, 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 unforgiveness. There's no room for that. That happened for a purpose. It, I did not like it. Ask me, Keisha, would you have signed up to go through that? Keisha would have said no. <laughs> no. But right. God, God chose Keisha to go through that for a purpose, and I'm walking in that purpose now. But when it comes to friends and, and sisters sticking together, ladies, please, please, if your sister friend says this is happening, offer her a place to stay, offer her a listening ear, encourage her to reach out and get help and some counseling or uh, something. But don't just sweep it under the rug or, you know, look at her as if she's over exaggerating or if she's just, you know, uh, uh, being spoiled and all of the stuff that I heard, because that just very well could be her cry out for help that absolutely cry out absolutely and i thank you for saying that keisha because i think that's where at a point where we are now with sisterhood is that we're just really getting that connection you know 2020 and 2021 has absolutely been the years of the great reveal mm -hmm. there is no more hiding under a rock there is no more pretending as you can see watching television and everything that's going on around us mm -hmm. everything is open and vulnerable and we do have to be better and stop being so self we could become very selfish that's it if it's not happening to me then oh that's happening over there that's it. how would you feel if your sister friend came to you and said this was going on and you knew you had a bedroom i don't care you can come sleep on my couch if that's what you you we got to do then that's what we have to do Yes, and we do understand that it does take time to leave a domestic situation. And I commend you in that sense because here's the lesson out of everything. You learn something from it. You learned. And many of us don't get that lesson, sis. Some women are taking that that mindset to the grave. Yeah. And yeah. living in your true purpose. That is a key word, living in your true purpose. Is it going to be easy every day? Absolutely not. But it is worth it. And not only that, to see, have your son to see you be the woman and the mother. Yeah. 
and say, you know, my mom is, is a woman of strength. She survived this. I watched her go through this. My mom has this tenacity, and he can work through that and have a normal life. Yeah. Do you understand yeah. that? And so for that, I think it's – I'm hoping that women are listening to this conversation that we have because I we don't talk about it enough. They put domestic violence um, uh, month in the same month of Cancer Awareness Month, yeah. month mm-hmm. of October. So mm-hmm. I often feel – and shout out, you know, we understand cancer. Yes, it's very important. But I, I feel that when it comes to domestic violence, and it is coming up next month, that I wish they would have pushed it in another month. Yeah. So it stand out on its own and not be, you know, overshadowed by anything else. Because once again, it's swept under the rug. Yep. And we have a stigmatism when we talk about domestic violence. We think it's happening to poor women. Oh, she must have deserved it. Um, she must have done something to have triggered the relationship. Oh, she, you know, yeah, it's not really that bad. And then I would be interested to know how many of those same sisters are dealing with the same thing that you were, but was embarrassed to say anything about it. Yeah, that, that would be very interesting to know because once again, we hide behind ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, sister, I thank you for coming in here today, and I'll give people the last 10 minutes. We are on the wakeupradio.com with wife coach Keisha Veal. The phone number to call in is area code 844-818-4433. Keisha, please tell us again where people can get Ashes Before Beauty, Before the Beauty. Ashes Before the Beauty is now available on Amazon. And I um, also wanted to make mention that um, the book cover, uh, I have to, I have to really speak on this book cover. So this book cover, it kind of gives me chills when I see it because it definitely depicts the situation. Uh, The man, you know, uh, with the knife and the stabbing in the back. Um, when I reached out to my graphic designer and told her what the book was about and what, you know, I could have put anything on the cover, but I told her, no, I want this on the cover. See, I almost put my picture on there. I have pictures of the, of the incident uh, of my back and I almost put that on there. And I'm like, well, that might be too graphic. So, but when I told her uh, what I wanted, she came up with this awesome, awesome and amazing cover. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to just really, you know, take the time to uh, just acknowledge this awesome cover. Not just because it's my book, but it's definitely an awesome cover. But the book can be found right now on Amazon, Ashes Before the Beauty. Uh, I also have copies here. Anyone in the Texas area, Dallas, Texas area, I am doing local deliveries. <laughs> awesome. Well, tell them about your other thing, uh, your other, your T-shirt. Your yes. T-shirt. Okay, so, well, thank you. Um, I am also uh, CEO of Me Versus H-E-R, which is my business, and the H-E-R stands for Healing, Empowering, and Restoring the Woman Within You. Um, Of course, healing from traumatic situations. I'm also empowering 
uh, wives and wives to be to be the best versions of themselves. And the R for restoration is restoring. You mentioned uh, earlier about giving women hope and love and to, to trust and love again. Listen, that was not easy. I know we don't even have enough time to talk about that. It takes it takes Mr. Veal my husband to tell y'all I wasn't the quickest to, to trust and love. We had to work through some things. Um, that's in book number two, but, um, I, (laughs) but uh, I do online coaching services, uh, for women that are engaged or married. I also have a Facebook group me versus H E R where I do live coaching. Um, we have uh, created a safe space for women to come and ask questions and get information concerning domestic violence um, or just marriage, period. Uh, my website is currently under construction right now, but I will be uh, going live with that pro- uh, probably in about a week or so, and it will be me versus her dot info. Um, and under the, the umbrella of me versus her, I also have created women's empowerment T-shirts. Um, they can be found on my Shopify, me versus her as well. And they're just shirts that, you know, make statements um, concerning marriage, you know, monogamy. We have one, uh, one of our trending ones, the one painted shirt uh, that... <laughs> There's a whole story behind that one, but shout out to the women with one penis, right? <laughs> My favorite one that I have is, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. And I was going in smart and fine. I didn't think anybody rented the shirt. And this lady started cracking up laughing. I started, I forgot I had the shirt on. She says, oh, I love that. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. He said, thank you much for taking time out of your busy schedule today and having this conversation. You know, I love conversing with you. This is, we will be following up. This is not our last interview. We will be following up again. Absolutely. would love to have sisters come and speak with you and counsel with you because you have a vast amount of experience and a lot of great information. And please tune in to Keisha at Facebook, as you said, me versus her. She does her lives every day. When you do your lives? I'm live on Tuesdays at 1.30. That's uh, 1.30 p.m. Central Standard Time and Wednesday at 12.55 p.m. Central Standard Time. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you again for being here, Keisha. I love you dearly, sis. Me too so much, sis. Thank you. You're very welcome, and we will catch up again, you all. Thank you for coming to Is Miss Max Helping Culture and taking your time to be a part this evening. And, again, shout out to Sister Cindy Ashby. Without this, none of this could be possible. She is the super producer. Thank you, Cindy. (laughs) All right, sis, you have a wonderful evening. Love you, dearly. Thank you. You do the same. Love you, too. Okay, take care, everyone. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diang. Cindy Ashwin On the wake up. Hi, I'm Maxine for Ministry and Wellness, your health and wellness advocate. Are you having problems relaxing? Maybe feeling a little stressed? You are not alone, but I've got the solution for you. Go to ministryandwellness.com for your alternative solutions to comfort or call me at area code 
800-200-2774 to book your free consultation. No question is too small and don't be shy. I'm here to help and look forward to speaking with you.